Welcome to the Newbie Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm Jonathan Boyle with my co-host, Joey Chan. Today we have a special guest, Larry Steinhaus. Welcome to the show. It's me. <laughs> yeah. hey, hey, Larry, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. What's going on, man? What, what exciting things you got going on that, make, that would make me excited? Hmm, that would make you excited? I don't know. You're a big you you're a powerhouse, so it's kind of hard to excite you. You'd be surprised, man. You could tell me about a little deal. I like little deals. I like all deals. <laughs> well, working on a subject two, that's what or something like that in New Jersey. Got, subject two is my favorite way to buy houses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll definitely, we, we definitely should talk about that in a minute. Sure. Yeah, so we're, we're going to get more into subject twos, creative financing, very briefly about stock options. You know, we'll talk about what uh, Larry does in his investor schooling, which I'm a student of. I just want to let everybody know that as well. So Larry, can you just let our audience know a little bit about yourself, a little bit of background, how you got started in real estate? Well, I was born in real estate and then my parents took me home to more real estate. <laughs> and then I've enjoyed real estate ever since. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> okay, we're done. Great to go, guys. <laughs> well, the interesting part, you know, I was born in commercial real estate and then I went to residential real estate. Oh, really? Yeah. You, you know, do you understand what I mean? No. You were born, you were born, in, the, born in the hospital? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. For those guys who didn't understand it. And then my parents took me home to residential real estate, you know? <laughs> Boy, I got to explain that joke. Is that where we are here? I got to explain my jokes. Sorry, I'm a little slow sometimes, but I, I caught on. A rabbi, a priest, and a, I don't know, a, what's the other one? A rabbi, know. a priest, and something, I don't know, walk into a bar, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then uh, and then I bought the bar, I don't know, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so what, let's do this again, Jonathan. Start all over again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you so guys have no sense of humor. So when I was uh, 18 years old, I actually bought my first property. So this is what happened. So I was actually working for a company called Crazy Eddie. You guys have no idea what this is anymore. It was an electronic store. It was the greatest electronic store on the planet. It was wild. And I was working there. I was actually a technician. And the head technician also became a friend of mine. And he was telling me about houses he was buying in actually Belmar, New Jersey. You guys know where that is. Mm -hmm. He was buying houses in Belmar, New Jersey. He was renovating them. He was fixing them up. He was renting them out. And or he was or he was flipping them and selling them. I'm like, wow, that sounds like a really cool business. Sounds like fun. So one day I was actually working out at the gym. And, you know, I remember I was like 18 years old, right? And I'm at this gym and they got their bicycle, you know, the stationary bike. And at the gym, you know, we didn't have iPads. We didn't have iPhones. We didn't have pretty much anything. We basically, all we had was real paper printed things. So I didn't bring any book with me. I didn't bring anything, but I needed something to read. So I grabbed a real estate book off of the shelf. That, you know, when you walked in, they had these books. It's funny, you guys, it's so funny that you, I'm sure you've seen them, but you probably at this point don't see them anymore. They had these books full of real estate and everybody had their listings in them. So I pulled one out. I start flipping through while I'm on the bike and I find this house in Easton, Pennsylvania. At the time, I'm living not far from Princeton, New Jersey. And I find this house in Princeton, in, in, I'm sorry, in Easton, Pennsylvania. It's a two family house. And I see it advertised for $26,500. So I don't know what I'm doing. I just call the agent. I said, hey, you know, <laughs> I saw this house listed. I'm interested in it. She goes, okay, great. Come on down. So I don't realize that from Princeton to Easton, it's about an hour and a half. It's like, whatever. I go there. I drive. No big deal. And she shows me three houses. And the one that was in the paper was the one I wanted. And she goes, uh, she go, I go, you know, what do I have to do to make an offer? And she goes, well, you know, you, you, we'll write it up and you, you have to give me a $500 deposit. 
And I looked at her and I go, I don't have $500. <laughs> she goes, and she goes, well, you, you know, you got to give me something. I'm like, what do I have to give you? And she goes, well, can you write me a hundred dollar check? I'm like, I, and honestly, I was just too embarrassed to tell her I didn't have a hundred dollars, <laughs> but I write her a hundred dollar check and obviously I make the check good. And then a month later I close in a building. And then a couple of weeks later, I read this book by Robert Allen. You guys have no idea who this is. It's so funny. Like oh, no the, the age gap is amazing. Right. Uh, but I read this book by Robert Allen called no money down. And in this book, I actually read how I bought the property, which was pretty cool. Right. So I actually like learned how to buy the property without you. Oh, that was the wrong button. I was trying to make the light lower. <laughs> that, that's better. Okay, cool. All right. So, so uh, I read how I bought the property and just so you know, and it's really, really funny because I teach this now and I didn't even know at the time what I was doing. So I, I got an FHA loan, which is what I suggest people do always. If they're, they're a brand new buyer, you get an FHA loan. If it's the first time you're buying a house and if you buy a two family house, it's fantastic. So that's exactly what I did. I got an FHA loan and I also, uh, what was what was called an FHA loan at the time anyway. And I also put the deposit on credit cards. So I had to come up with 3,600 bucks and I got 3,600 bucks off of credit cards. And that's how I bought my first house. Now I made the biggest mistake ever uh, a year later by selling that house at a 50% profit. So then you look at me and you go, whoa, that was a mistake. You sold it for 50% profit a year later? Yeah. The mistake that I made was if I would have held on to it, not only would the mortgage be paid off right now, but I'd probably be making $2,000 a month on that house. However, you know, like that was a long time ago, of course, and it probably the rate of return isn't that great at this point. But even if I kept it 10 years, 10 years later, I would have been, I would have been making, you know, whatever, 1200 bucks a month, 1300 bucks a month, owed nothing on it. And the asset would continue to grow. So that was one of the lessons I learned. I also learned how to be a landlord from that house. Boy, did I learn how to be a landlord. That was pretty smart. I like quickly adapted to learn how to be a landlord. And landlording is actually a lot easier than people think. But if you get stuck doing silly things, you're going to be a bad landlord. Wow, that lot to lot to digest right there. As far as first deal, that's very interesting. Just curious uh, for my. I, I don't know if things have changed, but back then you were 18 and you got an FHA loan. Uh, did they still require like two years of income or anything like that? Or I guess I don't know. I was making five bucks an hour at Crazy Eddie's. Now that was that was actually above minimum wage. Just so you know, got so it. Minimum wage at the time was three and a quarter. I was making five bucks an hour, and that was you know, and I had to show my whatever. I had to show you anything. Know, so. so so, so you ask a question like that, you, you know, that's a realist, a realtor or a real estate agent question. I hate those questions. <laughs> right away, you're going into real estate mode and you're going real estate agent mode and going, oh, I know I have to show two years because it's FHA loan. Shut up. <laughs> stop it. Just stop it. Okay. I, I teach people how to buy houses with absolutely no money. I've been doing it for, I don't know. For, how old are you, John? Uh, I'm 29, actually about to be 30 in a couple okay, weeks. So early. I've been doing real estate for nine years longer than you've been alive. Oh, wow. Just keep that in mind. Okay. Yeah, no, nine no, don't get me wrong. Been alive, I've been doing real estate, right? No, don't get me wrong. When I, 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 I bought my first house with uh, no money down either. So like I got a but private you it through a bank, right? No, I, I, I got a, pri had a private lender. Awesome. And then they, they funded the purchase and the reno. Um, awesome. you know, it was the interest rate was ridiculous. It was 12 and four, but at the time, you know, that was my only option. And, you know, I no, still that wasn't your only option. That was the only option you knew about. Yes. I will and... tell you that there were so many other options. <laughs> yeah. And 
I, I made 50K from that, so I couldn't complain, even after all that. Yeah, I was going to say, don't complain. I was say, hey, you should have said, yeah, it was only 12%. I made 50K, ha huh? <laughs> That's the better answer. Now, they funded 100%? Yes, 100%. Purchase, so you never take any money in your pocket whatsoever for any renovations? Well, I went over budget by 10 grand, and I used credit cards. Okay, cool. So you borrowed that money? Yeah, exactly. So do, you, do you know what your rate of return was? Uh, infinite. That's right. Isn't that the greatest rate of return on the planet? It's amazing. It's the you best produce rate. $50,000 out of thin air. It's the best. I love that yeah. stuff. That's the greatest story ever. Those are the ways to make money. Now, you know, I, I do some crazy stuff. I go to, when I go, I, I, you know, Joey's heard me say this before. When I go to a closing and I got to take more than $500 out of my pocket, I feel like a failure. Oof. I, I... <laughs> no, that, no, like, I, I, I like that mentality. It really, it really makes makes me think I got, I got to work harder and better at you getting can. better deals. You can. And every deal out there is so easy and you could, you could buy it. It's just people, it's funny. People come to me all the time. I don't want to make an offer on a deal because I don't have any money. I'm like, yes, you do. I'm like, no, no, I really don't. And it's a really good deal and I can't buy it. I'm like, if it's a really good deal, you'll find the money in, in days. I remember one time, I, I mean, I got to tell you, this was like, right, just to be honest, right? This was the worst 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 deal not worst deal but the worst time i had or the biggest problem i had finding money it was terrible it was horrible i mean i could not find money for this deal for about five days <laughs> it was the worst five days Good, good problems. Good problems to have. That's awesome. You also made to sweat it out. <laughs> so Wait. every deal I've ever wanted, I find the money. Sometimes I find the money before I even put the paperwork in. Like in other words, I, I mean, I, and I have a. It's funny. I have a text uh, that I show people. And it's a real text. It's a text where basically the text message. I texted a friend of mine and I said, "Hey, I'm trying to buy this house. It's worth eighty grand. I need fifty grand. I don't remember exactly the exact verbiage. I need fifty grand. Uh, interested?" And she writes back and she goes, "Rate." I go 7%. She writes back and she goes, um, term. I go five years. I don't remember exactly the conversation. And she ticks back and she goes, she goes, um, send me details tentatively. Yeah. I found money in a text message. I believe that because it's funny for, I think maybe my fourth or fifth deal, I texted a buddy of mine. Like I didn't even expect he had any money. It, you know, like it's just one of those friends you never really talk to like that. And he's like, oh, I could fund the whole deal. And I'm like, yeah, I'll need... 80k for the down payment okay and then right. it like no it, it's like I, I didn't try to hard sell them anymore i'm like okay we're good <laughs> yeah i've actually had people do this I, and it's funny i have had people blow the deal where they go hey you know can you let me 100 grand on the deal and the person says yes and then they say well let me tell you about the deal it's thought about why'd you why are you telling me the deal they already said yes <laughs> <laughs> i've also had, i also had somebody this story too because you know look you, you got to protect your your lender and the lender needs to know how to do a mortgage, needs to know how to do a promissory note. And of course, I'm the expert, and most lenders don't know how to do that. And if you're borrowing, anybody out there listening to this, if you're borrowing money from somebody, make sure that you have good paperwork to protect them. Because if not, then you're the slime ball, right? So we have this good paperwork. So actually, it was really funny. So one day I had a lender, I asked him for 75000 for something. I can't remember what it was. And he goes, hey, let's go to lunch and discuss it. So he literally meets me at lunch, and it, he just opened up his wallet, took out a check for 75000 and handed it to me. And I handed it back to him, and I said, no, that's not how it works. 
And they go, he goes, what do you mean? I go, he goes, you wanted 75,000. I go, no, you're going to take this check back. You're going to wire the money to the title company. The title company is going to pay for the deal and you're going to have a mortgage and a promissory note. So that way, you know, that if I don't pay you, you own the house and you also consume me in court because you just hand me this check for 75,000. You have no protection. So yeah. when you're doing things like that, you make sure you do it on the level and you'll have much better success. And you, I can go back to this bar anytime because they know that I'm on. You said a lot of great things that new people need to really think about because most people, especially in this business, they're like, they, they, they try to make it so simple. Like, Oh, just give me the check and we'll work out details later. No, you should be able to protect oh, absolutely. your private investors. Yeah. In fact, you, you have to do people a favor by borrowing their money. This is another thing that's pretty wild too. Like everybody's like, can you please lend me money, please? I want you to lend me money. I need a hundred thousand for this year, please. And it, no, no, no. It's like this. Listen, hey, listen, John. Hey, listen. You know, I was on the phone with Joey earlier, and like, you know, I'm already to do this deal, and and I've got, you know, I've got some potential lenders for this deal, but but what we're doing is, you know, I'm trying to see who who wants to lend me some money on this. If it's you, great. If it's not you, that's cool. I understand, you know. But if uh, if I was to borrow a hundred thousand dollars from you you know, I know you're making two or 3% in your IRA. Hey, if I can make you 7% in your IRA, would that be a better deal for you? And then most people will say yes. And then you're going to say, listen, okay, I'll, I'll take care of it. We'll make it happen. And then sometimes like Joey calls me up and he goes, Hey, listen, Larry, I need a hundred grand. I got a hundred grand. I need to lend it to you. Can you, can, can, can you borrow it at 6%? Now I just got a better deal from Joey at 6%, right? So I may call John back and go, listen, John, I actually got a better deal at 6%. I don't want to negotiate with it. I'm going to take Joey's money, but I promise you that the next deal I get, I'll give to you. Now, isn't that very different than what all these other real estate investors are out there doing? They're all out there doing, please lend me money, please. I'm not, I, I've got people begging to lend me money. And that's, what, that's the attitude you need to have. You need to have that kind of- You need to have attitude. an abundance mindset. Well, it, absolutely. But you also need to have that kind of confidence and you need to also have that kind of a deal where the deal is so good. Now, when I give people deals, most of my deals, you know, most of them have 75% uh, you know, so the debt is 75% to equity. I, I mean, most of my lenders want me to die, right? Because if I die, I don't pay the loan back. And then they get and actually put a confession of judgment in my loan. This is if I miss three payments, they automatically get the property. So they, want me, they want me to die so they can have the property. I mean, I've got some properties of lenders that, you know, they let me money, they let me a hundred grand, the property's worth 300 grand right now. And I only owe them 80,000 or 70,000 now because it was an amortized loan. And the confession of judgment doesn't say that they have to pay me the difference. It says that they now own the property. Wow. So that's a really great way for them to feel assured that they're going to be paid. You know where we are right now? We're actually, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in my studio. You guys ever watch, ever listen to the radio show? Yes. So, yeah. So we're, we're on the radio. John, I don't even know if you know this. We're on the radio show at 1210 WPHT. We actually have a radio show. Phil and I, my partner at Investor Schooling. We have a radio show that we do every Sunday at three o'clock. And we actually transmitted Facebook Live too, which is kind of fun. So that's why you see like the boards over here and the, the really cool microphone and, you know, and the headset. Actually, I don't even know if I could show you, but maybe I can. I can show you the whole studio. So, you know, this is our whole studio. Wow. Oh, pretty cool. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's actually pretty cool. It's actually the, the whole studio. So we, we you know, we're, I'm downstairs because, you know, I figure I might as well use the good equipment if I'm going to talk to you guys because I see what kind of great equipment you guys are using. Yeah. No, so the so the funny thing, uh, Joey and I are looking to do something like that when uh, we open up our office. So awesome. I was really excited for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've got, I actually have my old stuff. If you guys want it, I got some old stuff. If you want to, want to talk about it, I can actually help you set it up. Because we used to uh, have cheaper stuff and we I upgraded everything last month. When So we used to go into the studio to do our radio show. And then they closed the studio down because of the COVID crap. 
So I rebuilt the studio down here with all new equipment. So now we don't have to, we don't, we don't have to go to the radio station anymore. We actually transmit wow. out of here. Yeah, it's kind of really cool. <laughs> well, I mean, you gotta you gotta improvise. Uh, you know, well, this is more than improvise. I mean, you, you, you know, you saw the picture, but wait, yeah, you, no, you, no. If you ever come down here, you, you, you really be fascinated by it. Yeah, definitely love to stop by sometime. Yeah, cool. for sure. We'd love we, to have you. Um, you know, being being a student for a few months now um, in the investor schooling, you know, I still haven't still haven't actually been to the actual school yet. You yeah, know? you need to be so here, man. It's awesome. Just come. Right. Bring this guy with you. <laughs> Yeah, I got, I'll bring them down. As, as we were saying earlier, you do a lot of creative type of financing, Larry. I don't and, even know uh, how to not do creative financing. I, I don't think we've done, well, I don't think I've done any deals, not like conventional deals, you know, ever, really. Yes, I, 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 I think I do, occasionally I do a conventional deal. So how many houses do you think I own? Zero. Right. But here's a trick question for you. How many houses does my LLC own? <laughs> Um, zero, it's the trustee. Right. So I know this is the craziest thing because, you know, the people watching this right now go, what? Huh? He's supposed to be the real estate agent. He doesn't, he doesn't expert. He doesn't own any houses in his LLC. He doesn't own any houses. Never, ever, ever buy houses in an LLC. Well, okay. I shouldn't say never, ever, because there's no such thing as never, ever, almost never, ever buy houses in an LLC. I have an LLC that's basically a, it's not a shell, but it could be a shell. So basically, if you sue my LLC, basically you're going to get my cars because I have a couple of cars in my LLC, but you're also going to get the debt on those cars. So that's fine too. You're going to get some other debt and that's about it. And my LLC pretty much has no assets except for maybe a car or two, right? It has no assets. The, each one of my properties is held in a trust and the beneficiary of my trust is the LLC. This way, I'm pretty bulletproof. You know, we went through this COVID thing. Now it's over already. It's amazing. I, I, I'm watching the stock market and I'm like, what the heck? Holy cow. It's complete recovery. I mean, you know, we're now now in normal numbers again. It's amazing to me. I knew once it broke 26,000, it was going to go. Mm -hmm. But 29,000 is right around the corner. 30,000 will happen before November, most likely. So anyway, so I'm completely bulletproof. If anything, would, anybody would have came after me, if anything would have happened, if, you know, I, I mean, I, I, every single property is isolated from every other property. And, and, and I'm isolated from every property. It just keeps getting better and better and better. In fact, we're, we're, we're opening a, we're, uh, we're doing an LLC soon where we're going to be uh, trading. So I'm going to be trading for other people, but I'm not really trading for other people. We're forming a company, an LLC company, and everybody's going to contribute into it. And I'm going to do the trading and then we're all going to make money off it. Right. Even my trading isn't even, so that's an LLC. So all that money will be in the LLC plus, the, I'll have another LLC that will be the actual trading LLC. So in other words, I'm not trading it. The LLC is trading it. I'm managing the LLC that trades it. So I'm protected and then I'm protected and then I'm protected and then I'm protected. It's amazing how quickly, how much protection you can get with LLCs, with trusts, with everything. And no one can get anything out of me. As a matter of fact, I always joke because I always carry about $1,000 in cash on me and it's usually $100 bills. Let me see. Wait, hold on. Just, I actually gave my wife some money the other day, so I don't know how much I actually have, but let's see here. here just just you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, it's eight because I gave my, money, my wife some money the other day. I, and, and in fact, if I don't have at least a thousand bucks on me at all times, I actually feel like I'm naked. So I always say, this is what you could sue me for. It's all here. <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's funny, like this is our first time we're really like talking like this. 
like you know we've maybe had small interactions on facebook but like you're, you're blowing my mind with like everything you're saying oh. like, I, like i i knew you it gets like, better of this. <laughs> do, you, do, you know, do you know how much availability i have on credit cards right now have you heard the story yet uh per llc or no no well my total availability like total between all my llc's between me uh, because my wife too so all the credit that, I, that we have available that we can charge on a credit card like if i was to go right now to macy's and use all my credit cards how much stuff i could walk out with uh three million thousand twenty thousand give me a number two three million i don't know well that would be pretty cool but no but i do have six hundred and sixty thousand dollars available credit on credit cards like cre just credit cards i'm not talking about lines of credit i'm talking about credit cards so so i could actually charge six hundred sixty thousand dollars on credit cards so you want to talk about getting money you want to talk about getting money for a deal so if i have the greatest deal on the planet and the guy says you have to close tomorrow and i don't have time to find somebody to lend me money or they don't or their money's tied up in an ira and i can't get it in tomorrow i can get it tomorrow because i could simply get it on my credit cards yeah everybody have some credit cards uh well, no, I have not. You haven't lived until you buy a house on credit cards. <laughs> it's amazing when you buy a house on credit cards, when you could just sit there and talk about buying a house on credit cards. We had actually, we had a student, um, Bill. I don't, I don't know if you know Bill, uh, Joey, but, but he, he, uh, he, bought, he bought his first house. He was a student. He bought his first house. He got hard money loan, and he put the rest of it on credit cards. And I structured the whole deal for him. Ian Walsh lent him the money. I don't know if you guys know who Ian Walsh is. But yeah, so yeah, I, I yeah, I structured the whole thing. And I called up Ian and I said, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, okay. So the guy does 100% on hard money, all the money he needed from hard money, everything else he needed, he got on credit cards. He sold the deal in two months and made $27,000. And it was just beautiful. Okay. No money out of his pocket on credit cards. Nice. Now, did he fix and flip the deal or? Yeah, it was a fix and flip. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. Okay. Now, the only thing that would have made it better is if they were zero uh, if you just made open up those credit cards and they were zero. So the funny part that happened to be true in this case it happened oh, to be wow. yeah it happened to be zero percent credit cards in this case yeah so you want to know how to get credit cards how you ready this is really hard i want you to <laughs> write this down because it's such a hard process that i want you to be ready you have a pen in front of you i have a, a whiteboard right up here okay so grab your pen and your whiteboard it's okay you can come off screen <laughs> I'm out of camera because this is so important. I'm going to teach you how to how to get credit cards. You ready? Okay. Apply for them. <laughs> all right. I That's all you need to do. You just apply for them. So then, serious question uh, about that. Uh, what if you? What about my credit score? Because I'm going to have inquiries on my credit score. Was that not your question? About the inquiries, yes. I don't really care about the credit score part, but yes, right. about all the inquiries. All right, so the funny part is 99.99.99999% um, of the people in America do not know how their credit score is calculated. And once you learn how your credit score is calculated, you quickly understand that inquiries mean nothing. So the first question I have for you is, and you're a real estate agent who obviously has proved it earlier, haha. Um, <laughs> What's the difference between a 720 credit score and an 850 credit score? Do you know? I don't actually. Take a guess. Length of credit. Yeah, I would have to go with Joey's answer. Which was? Length of credit. Length of credit. No, no, no. I, what does it do for you? The difference between a 720 credit score and 850? What oh, oh, like uh, you you drop uh, interest rate. You think so? 
Maybe not significantly, but yeah, a little bit. You think so? I think so. Yeah. Well, you're wrong, but it's okay. 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 Anything else you any else anything else you want to be wrong about with the, with the difference? <laughs> hmm. No, I'm I'm, I'm good. The only, the only right answer is 130. Okay. Okay. It's essentially the same thing. Yeah, that's the only right answer. There's absolutely no difference between a 720 credit score, definitely a 740 credit score, and an 850 credit score. There's no difference. So when you have an 850 credit score, you're actually a fool. What? Huh? But my mommy told me I should get my credit up, pay my bills on time, and have a high credit score. Look at me. I got an 850 credit score. Nah, 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 nah. And then you go, and then you, and I go up. I go, well, my credit score is 620, and I have $660,000 worth of available credit. What's your available credit? Oh, 5,000? <laughs> now, my credit score is not 620 always. Sometimes it's 620. Sometimes it's 805. You want to know when, when it's 805? You want to know what I do immediately? When it's 805, you're applying. For, well, actually, no. Okay, go ahead. I, I, you were right. I'm applying for credit cards. Exactly right. I'm applying for credit cards and lines of credit. Because when my credit score is 805 or whatever, and it's 720 or more, I'm, I'm applying for credit. I'm applying for lines of credit. I'm applying for, for uh, credit cards. I want to get more credit. And what happens to my credit score? Now, what probably happens to my credit score is not much. But when I start using those lines of credit and start using those credit, my, my credit availability goes down. So if I have a 660 credit score, and I have, and I owe more than sixty-six. I'm sorry. If I have six, I'm sorry. If I have a six hundred and sixty thousand dollars available credit, and I owe more than sixty-six thousand dollars on that credit, my credit score is going to go down a little bit. So if I owe a hundred thousand on the sixty, my, my credit score might go down fifty or sixty points. All right. But there's the other side too. Now we talked about inquiries. So what do you think? So if somebody had, I don't know. Let's say somebody had fifty-eight inquiries on their credit credit report. Fifty-eight, right? Mm -hmm. What would what do you think their credit score would be if everything else was fine? It's the amount of so once you have five five inquiries, anything after five is basically the same. Doesn't matter. So how much I effect did it have on on it? Little to none. Okay. Well, how much effect did it have on it? If I have a, so I have a, the maximum credit score I get is eight fifty, right? Let's mm -hmm. say everything else is perfect and I have fifty eight inquiries on my credit. What's the, what's my score? I forget the exact. Formula. Um, I, don't know I don't know. This is what you need to know. I think it's like 30, 30 points or something yeah. like that. Okay, you ready? So first of all, it's 10 inquiries, not five. Sorry. So when you hit 10 inquiries, any inquiry after that will no longer affect your credit score. You will lose, when you hit 10, 10 inquiries that are still in your credit, credit report, you will lose 55 points. Not 56, not 57, 55 points. You can never lose less than 50, I'm sorry, never lose more than 55 points with the amount of inquiries you have in your credit. Now, 55 points could be significant if you've screwed up the rest of your credit, but mm -hmm. that's fine. If, you're, if you have available credit, the biggest thing that affects your credit, the biggest thing is making your payments on time. So if you're making payments on time, your credit score is gonna be great. If you're making your payments on time and you have low debt ratio compared to how much you can get, so let's say, again, let's say, just make it easy, make, let's say it's a half a million is the most that you can borrow, and if you only borrow 50,000, Actually, it's not even, it's 45,000 because it's zero to 9%. There's no effect on your credit score. At 10% or more, it starts to affect your credit score. And then eventually, if it hits 100% or more, then you're going to lose 175 points. So that's where it's going to start to affect it. So the more, the, the more credit you have, and it's really weird because you want to know how to increase your credit score? It's the craziest thing. The best way to increase your credit score is to get more credit. So think about this, right? So let's say you have a $10,000 
limit right now. You have one credit card with $10,000 limit and you have $5,000 on that. So that's 50% of your debt, right? Yes. So your, your availability is now only 50%. So it just affected your, your 175 points is now cut in half, 87 and a half points. Whatever that is. Seven, I don't know. I, I, 70, whatever it is, right? right? So it's cut in half, right? So, so uh, it's now cut in half. Now you could do two things to make it go to a quarter. The first thing you could do is you could pay 2,500 bucks, right? Yep. And then you have only 25%. Or you can get another credit card for $10,000 and it's the same exact thing. Just don't use the $10,000, right? So now you have a $20,000 available credit and you owe 5,000, it's only 25%, not 50%. Guess what happens? If you get another credit card for $10,000, it goes down more. Another credit card goes down more. If you want to get it down to 10% or 9%, you can get $50,000 worth of credit cards and your $5,000 is the same amount of money you owed two months ago and your credit score is now sh just shoots up 100 points. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. So then question related to that, as far as, I saw this with one of my credit cards because of COVID and you know, like I'm usually around like the 620 mark. They lowered like the amount my, you could borrow. And one of my credit lines dropped yeah. from like, 5,000 to 1,200, what yep. would and you your credit score got And your credit score got trashed because of that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so you didn't prepare. Okay. This is why you have to prepare for, for times like this. So I knew that was coming, actually. It's kind of funny because, you know, like I have $660,000 worth of available credit, and I knew it was coming. So I actually, believe it or not, I did something that you also wouldn't believe I did. I went and tapped all my credit cards. That's why my credit score is lower now. It's probably around, it's probably around 650 right now, whatever it is. I don't know. But I tapped a bunch of credit cards because I knew that they were going to lower my rate. They lower my available credit, and I wanted to make a limit to where they could lower it. They can only lower it to the point of how much you owe. So, example, if you owed, if you had a $5,000 before and you borrowed $4,000 the day before they dropped it, they can only lower it to $4,000. They can't lower it any lower than that because, because they are creating an over- an overborrowed situation and they're going to fine you for that. They, you know, they send you fines and they can't do that legally. So I knew it was coming and I went to the credit cards that I knew it was most likely to happen to. And I, and I borrowed money off them. American Express will do it. Um, uh, Barclay did it. Barclay actually had a $40,000 limit. Now it's only 20,000. You know why it's 20,000, right? Cause I borrowed 20,000 literally two days before they, they, they dropped it. Wow. And I knew it was going to come. Wow. But here's the thing, right? So when I say you didn't prepare, you didn't prepare because before COVID you should have been applying for credit cards like crazy. Right. So now if they drop your credit card from five thousand to twelve fifty, you have five of the credit cards with five thousand or ten thousand on it, doesn't matter. That credit card company is not going to raise that for a long time. So okay, so then I guess uh your suggestion would be like let's say I next day I have a hundred thousand and I paid off all my cards, you wouldn't suggest that whatsoever. Well, so it, it depends on it depends on your goal, right? So if you want to pay so I, I don't So like my goal would be to Increase my credit so I can apply for more credit cards. Okay, right. So you want you want to get your credit score higher so you can apply for it. So so temporarily pay that off. Now you can also play the game. If you this is great too. If you if you really if you really want to sit down and figure this one out, grab a credit card that the payment date is the first, right? Mm -hmm. And grab another credit card that the payment date is the fifteenth. So the one that's the payment date is the fifteenth. You're going to borrow the money from the one that's the payment date on the 15th, and you're going to pay the one back with a payment date on the first two or three days before the, you know, the, it's due. So on the first, what's going to happen is your cre the credit card company is going to report that that one has a zero balance because you paid it off, right? 
Mm-hmm. The other one doesn't report to the 15th. So because the other one doesn't report to the 15th, it looks like you don't owe any money. <laughs> and then you apply for a credit card because your credit score just went up 50 points and you apply for a credit card immediately and then you get the credit card and then four days or 10 days later, all of a sudden your credit score gets shot because the other number, the, the, the number that you borrowed from one card to the other now affects your credit score. Showed up. Wow. But who cares? You got the credit card. <laughs> so that's why I said it depends on what you want to do. So you, you know that I can make my credit score, I can make my credit score, I don't know, 750 within two weeks. So there's only two times I need my credit score, right? One is when I'm literally going to a bank to get a mortgage, which I almost never do. Mm-hmm. And the other one is if I, if I want to get a car loan. And a lot of times I get a car loan because car loans are really, really cheap. Like I bought my vet. So I have a $100,000 vet, right? And the guy, and I go in there and the guy goes, um, you know, do you want to finance this? I go, I don't know. What's your rate? He goes, three and a half percent. I go, three and a half percent. I said, hell yeah, I want to finance it. I could do a hell of a lot better on my hundred grand that I could, you know, work with it. And I go, and then I go, I go, I go, how much do I have to put down? He goes, he goes, you don't have to put anything down. I go, you're kidding. So I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. I'm, I'm going to drive out with, a, I mean, I love it. I drive off the lot with a hundred thousand dollar Corvette, right? And I made, put no money down. I paid for no title, no tags, no nothing. I get to drive the car for a month before my first payment. That's the kind of world we live, right? It's insane. It really is. <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, we, we could definitely talk a lot, like several episodes with everything that you know. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why I have a school. Okay. Yeah. Let, me, let me explain how this works, Jonathan. I come on here to tell you all this great stuff, and then all your listeners go, what the hell is this guy talking about? How do I find out more about him? Well, you go to investorschooling.com and you find out about it. Well, you know, we were, we were going to let you put the plug in later, but yeah. I, I definitely understand. It's well. It's well. Uh, and if you think if you think what I touched on in a half an hour it was a lot, ooh, just wait. It gets even better. <laughs> okay, so before like before we lose uh, lose all the time with you, uh, Larry. So can you go over a little bit about uh, subject two and like what you do? Any like creative deals that you've done in the past? Some, something. Yeah, let, me, let me give you a PayPal link. You got to send me $10,000 and I'll tell you about subject. Two. No, I'm like it. Um, <laughs> okay. So, here, so look, so subject two is like, it's it literally, it's my favorite way to buy properties. And I'll tell you a funny story. It was about, I don't know, about 10 years ago, maybe, I guess. I don't even know. I was sitting in a seminar and it happened to be Phil Falco, my, my partner at investor schooling happened to be his seminar. And he was talking about subject two and I'm sitting there and I, I, I literally, I'm like listening to people and but, but just so you understand subject to the basics, you take over somebody's payment, the loan stays in their name and the house goes in your name. This is like the greatest thing ever. You, you want to talk about, you want to talk about a great deal, right? The house you own the house, but the loan is in the other person's name. Now I absolutely do not do this, but I just want to use an example. For example, if you don't pay the loan, um, that other person, their credit score goes down, not yours. Now don't ever do that. That's, you know, I, I mean, I warn people about this, but I just want to, I just want to say how, what a great thing this is, right? You own the house and, and your credit is never affected. In fact, your, the loan never even shows up in your credit. It's, it's pretty amazing. So I, I, I owe millions of dollars. I owe millions of dollars. And my loans on my credit show I, I owe in real estate $500,000. And I find it hysterical every time I look at it because, you know, I, I know what I really owe. They, they'll never know. So you're taking over people's payments. And it was about, like I said, a little over 10 years ago, maybe even 12 years ago already. Uh, I'm seeing a seminar. Phil Falcone's talking about subject two. And I'm sitting there and I'm sitting there. I literally, and I'm like, I got my arms closed. I'm like, no way. There's no way somebody in the, nobody in the world is ever going to do this. Nobody's ever going to let me take over their payment, make their payment for them, trust me with it, and give me their house. It's impossible. Nobody does that. 
So, you know, that's what, that's what's happening to me. And I'm sitting here thinking about it. And sure enough, it's like, I don't know, it's like two, two, um, two or three weeks later, I'm sitting down at the time I worked for a computer consulting company and I'm sitting down with a client and she happens to be a friend of mine too. I, I've known her for, for many years. And she starts telling me about this property. It's a two family house and has a pizzeria. It's a commercial property. And she, she's telling me how much she hates this property. And at the time, you got to remember, this is, you know, this is a time where, you know, real estate was pretty trash now, right? 2008, 2009, real estate's pretty trash. So, yeah, so it was around 2010, I think I bought this. So, yeah, so it's about 10 years ago. So, real estate's pretty bad. And she's got it on the market for 180000 I said, well, how much do you owe? She goes, oh, I owe 175000 I go, you have it on the market for 180000 You owe 175000 I said, even if you get the 180000 you got to come to closing with like twenty grand." And she goes, yeah, no, I don't care. I said, why? She goes, because my husband and I are getting divorced. I can't stand the guy, and he won't let me divorce him unless this property is sold. And I'm like, get out of here, really? And she goes, yeah, that's the situation. I said, well, and I remembered, because we had this whole conversation at this thing, that, you know, basically, I basically looked at her, and I go, well, what if I took over your payments, I took over the property, you don't have to worry about it anymore. And sure enough, I'm telling you right now, that's the line. What if I take over your payments, what if I take over and I take over the property and you don't have to worry about it anymore? And you just wait, just wait for them to say this. And they're going to say, really do that. And you're like, wow. And <laughs> every subject to deal I ever do, I swear it's something, it's some variation of that. Can you really do that? Can you do that? Is that legal? Can I do that? It's funny. It's always some variation of, can you really do that? It's always. And once they do that, you got them. And I swear, I look at her and I go, oh, absolutely. And I'm thinking to myself, I have no freaking clue how to do this. <laughs> I know I can do it. <laughs> It just reminds me of my know, first short right? sale. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, so the funny part is, right, so, so then I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it. She goes, and then I could just see it like, she goes, oh, what's the matter? And she goes, well, we have to see if, you know, if it's okay with Mark, you know, the husband, right? I'm like, oh, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, I knew it. I knew this was a bunch of crap, you know, just because she believes it. There's no way I'm going to convince him. This is total crap. There's no way this could be done. It's impossible. But I look at her and I go, why don't you set up a three-way phone call? I'll talk to Mark. I'll talk to you and we'll talk about it. So a couple of days later, I get on the three-way phone call and I'm talking to the two of them and I'm telling Mark all about it. So this is what I'm going to do. And I'm like really nervous. It's like my first subject to deal. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, I just like, you know, I guess I'm nervous, right? So I'm on the phone. I'm like, well, listen, Mark, this is, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy the property. I'm going to buy it for a dollar and, 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 and I'm, I'm going to make your payments and, 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 and I'm going to, and I'm going to pay all this stuff and, and I'm going to do this and, 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 and you don't have to worry about the property and it's not going to be your property. And, 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 I swear, I must've been rambling for like half an hour. Right. Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, John, you're a salesman, right? Like I was saying, I'm not really an agent. You're a salesman, right? But yes. Yeah. So do you know what to do when you close in a sale? Like you say, do you want to buy it? Do you know what you do next? You shut up. You shut up, right? So I'm like, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm going to buy it for a dollar. What do you think? And I wait. I swear it must have been seven minutes that went by before I heard anything. No, it must have been like 10 seconds, but it felt like seven minutes. And he goes, let me get this straight. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> You're going to buy my property for a dollar. I'm like, yeah. You're going to take over the payments. Yeah. I don't have to worry about the property anymore. Yeah. And he goes, I would never sell a property for a dollar. 
I'm like, see, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. It's a bunch of crap. And he goes, so it's a dollar and a case of Rolling Rocks. <laughs> I nearly fell off my chair and hit the floor. <laughs> and that is a true story. <laughs> and that was the story of my first subject video. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so af after after you purchased it, uh did you do any renovations or anything like that? So I bought the properties for seventeen hundred and twenty-four dollars out of my pocket. That's all it cost me. It cost me a little bit of transfer tax to buy the property seventeen hundred and twenty-four dollars out of my pocket. And the payment at the time was fifteen seventy. I was collecting twenty three hundred dollars a month on it, and it had about forty thousand dollars equity. She underpriced it, but she wanted to get rid of it. That property now, uh, so here's a really cool thing. This is kind of a, like a side story, but a really neat story. So of course I bought it in a trust because that's what you have, that's what you do. Uh, you know, I learned that a long time ago. Plus, subject to you want to buy in trust for other reasons as well. So yeah. I buy the property in a trust, and sure enough, it was about five years ago, I guess at this point, that I get a phone call from my property manager because it's, it's up in Lehigh Valley. It's actually the funny part is it's actually it's in, in Easton. If I remember, I told you I bought my first property in Easton. Yes. Mm -hmm. So. So uh, this was my, my first new property in Houston. I had a, hadn't owned properties in Easton over 20 years. And this property happened to be in Easton. And I get a property, I get a call from my property manager. He goes, hey, listen, you know, I sent a guy out there. There was a couple of corner pieces missing from, your, from the siding, a bunch of corner pieces. And I sent some guy out there to take a look at it. And he called me back up and he goes, did you know that this building was pelted by hail? I'm like, what? And, 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 he, and, and, you know, Jason, my property manager goes, yeah, I don't know. He's some guy. He's, he's telling me that he could replace the whole siding on the building. He goes, he goes, you should call your insurance company. You know, come on. So I agree to meet the guy there, meet the roofing guy and roofing and signing guy there. And I, and I really, I'm just dismissing the guy. I mean, it's really funny. I'm like really rude to the guy. Cause I'm like, Oh, this guy's a shyster or whatever. I don't need this crap. Right. So he starts to tell me about how the building was pelted by hell. And I go, First of all, the siding on this building, if the siding on this building was 50 years old, that might have been, it might have been more. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it was aluminum siding, and it might have been 50-year-old siding. It might have been more. It might have been the original siding from the building. I don't know, but it, was, but it was, you know, that old, that faded, that garbagey, that disgusting, right? Mm -hmm. So he goes up to, he takes me over to the building, and he starts to show me little, little like, dents. And I laughed, and I go, these little dents, these could have come from anything. They could have come from... It could have come from, I mean, this siding has been here for 50 years. I go, how do you know it's hail? And he goes, he goes oh, well, I'm going to answer that question. I'm going to show you the weather report from six months ago. And I'm like, really? He shows me the report from six months ago, and sure enough, hail, a hailstorm went through there. And I'm like, come on. And he goes, look, he goes, what's the difference? Call your insurance company. So I call my insurance company. They meet me down there. Now, remember, this is, this is my first subject to deal, right? I've had the property for a couple of years now. I've had it probably maybe five years now, and you know it's got some equity in it now. It's making some money. It's pretty cool, but the property is a wreck. I mean, the roof is old. The siding looks like crap, you know. And the little outside building, which is the pizzeria, looks like crap. It needs new roof, right? And and he comes down here, and I call my insurance company, and they go, "Oh yeah, there was a hailstorm that went through there six months ago." I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> and, and, and you know the insurance company goes, "We'll meet you down there. We'll, we'll have an adjuster meet you down there." So the adjuster meets me down there, and the adjuster brings another roofing and siding guy. Like in other words, they're they're bringing their representative roofing and siding guy. My roofing and siding guy, this guy who I think is the shyster, meets me there too. And I watch the two of them go through the building, and the two of them are taking markers and they're marking all all the all the spots. And I'm looking at this like I'm bewildered. 
Then they go, we should look at the roof. I, I mean, the, the, their, their signing guy, the insurance company signing guy, roofing signing guy, says to my guy, we should look at the roof. And they pull out their ladders and they go up to the roof and they start marking the roof. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> and, and they go over to the other roof for the, for the pizzeria and they look at that and they do the same thing. They're marking the roof. The roof on the pizzeria, the roof on the pizzeria needed to replace, be replaced 25 years ago. Okay. Let me, so you understand the roof on the pizzeria needed to be replaced 25 years ago. That's how bad this roof was. Right. And they're marking it with, with spots, right? They both come down. They turn to the insurance adjuster. They go, oh, yeah, this building was destroyed by hell. And she looks at me, and she goes, and she goes, all right, I'll get back to you. They get back to me about a week later, and they hand me a check for $42,000. Holy shit. And I replace all the siding, all the roofs, <laughs> the building. Getting <laughs> red. <laughs> it even gets better, right? So oh, let me tell you how. So this building is in the middle of town, and it was a shithole, right? I mean, it was like you know, I don't. I'm not a slumlord, so it wasn't that bad, right? But it just it doesn't. It was an unattractive building. It was just an ugly building, right? Mm. And we put yellow siding on and white, um, white trim and white shutters and white downspouts. I mean, the building just looked great. So I get a call about a month later from the city council. And I've had fights with the city council before, which is really funny. So this guy who I've had a fight with before calls me up. And his name is uh, Richard Wamsley, I think it was, right? And he calls me, hey, this is Richard Wamsley from, from the city of Houston, blah, 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 blah. And I, I swear, I go, what did I do now? And he goes, <laughs> he goes, no, no, you don't understand. I called you to thank you. I go, what do you mean? He goes, you made our town look beautiful. Thank you so much for renovating that building. Every time I pass it now, I'm so happy that our town looks so much better. <laughs> so that's on the eyesore. The most amazing thing, right? So that was born a trust. The insurance company paid the trust. We renovated the building and I bought that property for seventeen hundred and twenty-four dollars out of my pocket. Now I've since put more money into it because I actually just recently turned over tenants and completely renovated the inside. So I put about uh, probably about thirty thousand dollars on the inside. Because I just wanted to, you know, you know, I've owned the building for eight years now. They never touched it before, but when they owned it, so I owned the building for eight years and I completely renovated the inside, but it was just by choice. I mean, the upstairs unit now has a washer and dryer. It's actually a really, really nice unit. And my, my cash flow on that has increased probably about a thousand bucks since I bought it. Wow. And that is the, that is what you can do with, with, uh, with some, when you invest in real estate and you invest it right. That's amazing. And equity in that building is probably, I probably have $200,000 worth of equity in that building now. Wow. And then I bought another subject to another subject to another subject to another, another subject to I've got just a couple of minutes, but I want to tell you real quick about a subject to a conversation of a subject to, I go to see this guy that I've been working on for three years. I've been talking to this guy about buying his house, buying his condo. And I go to buy his condo and he shows me his state, his mortgage statement. It's perfect. So again, I don't have time to go into, I don't have time to go into like the greatest subject to deals. But when you, when you, when somebody shows you their mortgage statement, if their house is worth a hundred thousand, and they owe anything around 100000 like anywhere from 95000 to 110000 yeah. it's a beautiful subject to deal. Beautiful, because they can't get out of the deal without paying money. So this guy owed $97,000 on his house, and I'm like, yes, this is a subject to deal. So I explained to him that I'm going to take over the payments, take over the property, and he goes, can you do that? And I go, yeah, sure, of course I can, right? So I explained how I'm going to do it, blah, blah, blah. And then he looks at me, I swear, he looks at me, he goes, you're smart like my brother was. I go, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you know, my brother died a couple of years ago. He was really smart with money like you are. I said, oh, that's interesting. He goes, as a matter of fact, I have this $200,000. I don't know what to do with it. 
I go, well, what kind of interest rate you get on it? What, what are you making on it? He goes, oh, I think you get like one or 2%. I said, how'd you like to make 7% guaranteed? And he goes, can you do that? So not only did I get a subject two deal from this guy, but I borrowed $200,000 and bought two more properties. That's beautiful. Uh, I heard that story before. <laughs> and that you is can how. You pretty much end here, but like, <laughs> you're, the, the way you're explaining things is just getting me excited with the compound. It should. Property. It should. How much money do you have to buy property right now? Do you know? Well, once these close, I'll have a little bit over 100000 Yeah. So he's, Joey, this is the difference between a non-student and a student. Joey, how much money do you have to buy a property right now? Unlimited amount. Unlimited amount. All you need. All you need, you have. Now, why aren't you buying that property? There's only one reason to not buy a property. Only one. You ready? It's not a deal. It's not a deal. That's right. It's so simple. If you have a good deal, the money will find you. Always. Mm. So I actually, I, I apologize. I have a hard stop. I actually have a coaching. I have a coaching client coming in right now in two minutes. Okay. So, and I need to talk to her. Because I'm going to have a conversation just like this with her. So then one last question. Where can people find you at? So they can go to investorschooling.com and actually you can take a free class. And what we do is actually we have, we actually have a free class. It's not like we don't call you up and say, come in and, and, and listen to our sales pitch. We don't do sales pitches. We, we have you come in and actually sit in a real class. And they can actually sit in via Zoom if they're too far away or if they don't want to come in. Uh, they can sit in via Zoom or they can actually – uh, come into class in our classes in Langhorn. We prefer if they come in, but you can be in Zoom. That's fine. And it's a free class. It's an actual class that the students have paid for, and you get to audit the class, basically. And then what we do is we invite you back on a Monday night to a mastermind meeting. How do mastermind meetings, Joey? Are they cool or what? They're cool. They're yeah. very cool. They're just cool. He like, doesn't want to embellish, but that's fine. So what we do is we, in the mastermind meeting, we talk about you know everybody's individual deals, everything that people are working on, and we all answer and try to help each other. And then at that point, if you want to become a student, we'll talk about become, become, yeah, becoming a student. We want to make sure you're committed to two classes before we even want to approach you to be a student because we don't want to waste your money. So it's investorschooling.com. And I would love to see you guys again, man. Joey, I'll see you on Monday night at the Mastermind. Yes, sir. You know what, Jonathan? You want to be in a Mastermind meeting? Yeah, sure. You're on the Mastermind meeting on, on Monday night. Just, Joey, I'll give you the link. Awesome, awesome. All right. That'd be Please cool, man. I'd love to have you on there. Very awesome. cool, man. All right, I got to run. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I've got to go. Uh, by now, my, my coaching students upstairs going, where's Larry? <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, let's end the show, I guess, right there. So take care, everyone. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.